today too. I have, uh, my wife is in the nursery right now taking care of our, our kids. And, um, unless she calls for your help. Unless she calls for my help, yeah. I was actually kind of nervous because my son is like, he's a ninja with my car button, my, the red panic button, like his finger's like a magnet to it. And he was hitting it in the nursery and he always catches it. So I was like trying to listen for my car during the service. I was like, cause he did get it. I was like, it's like far enough that it doesn't matter. But all right, yeah, so yes, thank you, Leonard. You, I was talking to Leonard before this, and I was just thanking him because he, I think, I think he hit this text in a way that needed to be hit. Um, because if, if we hit it hard now, this is, and maybe namely this text uh, about the rock and the foundation, uh, our operating point, our launching pad, our home, our base, um, if we hit that hard now, it helps us for the win of the storms and the flood, uh, which are inevitably coming. Because as the text says, you heard it say today, it's not, it's not when, or it's not if, it's, it's when these things come upon us. Um, different storms of various kinds, trials, we've called them. Um, so before we go in, Father, thank you for, thank you for this, your word. And I have, I know that some, Considering is taking place as led by the Holy Spirit within your church, and it's it, you're working within me now. And th this is a hard text. Uh, I didn't think it was as hard as it was before I started studying it for this very moment. So I pray that you would help me with that consideration, and everybody who that your word has caused to uh, it. Spirit, when you, you are working in your word in your church, thank you. You're a faithful leader. You're the best leader. You can see around every corner. Help us to follow well and to be glad in the things that you're bringing us in, into, even as, as, as resistant as we are to look and be brought in to those areas that need swept out, to, that don't belong on the rock, that don't belong within the Found on the foundation. And may your words do that purifying work as you help us to revere you and love you in the love that you love us with. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, yeah, well, let's go through this and 
We don't have much, but there's a lot in this little. <laughs> so, first of all, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I tell you? This week, studying this text, and I've, I've gotten a few weeks to study this, and I'm, I'm happy that we just preached the tree and the fruit last week. I was, I was ready to go into this too, but there, I've had a, a godly gap in which he operated in to expand this uh, and prepare. And so I have less studying that I did in this and more self-evaluation that I put in this. So maybe this would be a little bit more pastoral than the seminary trip that we usually take in here. Um, because I find it hard uh, to answer this question because I find myself understanding through through this text, which has just kind of been a rock to the, my own foundation, the foundation of me. Um, it's like the Holy Spirit's throwing a brick in my window reading this. <laughs> um, and I found myself jostled by, by these words of Christ because I find myself constantly wanting to sit on the throne that I keep saying it's yours. I find my pride regenerating very quickly um, and sometimes I can be my own foundation. I'm realizing in this, and I just put it forward, just if, if you can relate or not. Um, sometimes I'm my own rock, and I build the foundation of the Bible on myself. I've, I've seen that really between last night and today as I'm praying for us and praying for this. So I'm thanking God that he's made me aware of that and I wanted to I'm not trying to just sit up here and work out my stuff and talk to you but I needed to be honest about that before you so that I'm not just a hypocrite because this text tells us to evaluate and so that's some serious evaluate and I, I, I'm, I've done a lot of communion talks where self-eval has always been something that's in my mouth while I'm up there. And so I don't I just wanna say, hey, you guys need to do this stuff. And I, I, hope my, I hope that you hear the message as we do. So that's it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I tell you? Um, God has been asking this ever since we've been sinning. Um, he ended the Old Testament with it. Uh, I found in Malachi 1.6, he says just about the same thing. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, God speaking here, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you? And God's no stranger. I mean, most of us have kids, right? And I have young kids, and they're just now coming out of that stage where I can do no wrong. I see them, they can do no wrong. And into that stage where <laughs> they're the things <laughs> where they're rebelling, pretty much. 
and it hurts. It does when they when they don't want to take your hand, when they don't want to sit next to you, or when they don't listen. And God's no stranger to enduring that from us. And Jesus here, he's asking the question so as to expose that within us. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I tell you? He's kind of saying, are you in the right place? Are you... It's a really hard question to ask because it, 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 it demands our, our self-evaluation. And I've found it almost paralyzing. Have you guys ever been in that position where you're kind of bearing, you, you see very much within yourself that which you, you like you don't want the Lord to see it. You know very well the things that kind of are a weight on your heart before him. He sees it in you and you know it. And it's a hard position to be in. And the parallel to this, because he's trying to, he comes out of saying, talking about last, what we talked about last week, a tree and its fruit. And there's good trees and there's bad trees. And the good trees are the ones who are like the only good tree that ever was. And we, t and we said, in all human history, there's, if you divided good people and bad people, Jesus would be on the one side. And everybody else from the first man to the last would be on the other. And the good trees are the ones rescued by the one who came over to our side and brought us out. And brought us... It didn't just make us good, he brought us to life. And we're like him. That's what a good tree is. None of us can be that tree. We, we need only look to it, be like it. But today he goes a little further with that. Everyone who comes to me, verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. There's that like again. I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. All right, so if you go back to the beginning of the verse, Everyone, there's three things here. And these things need to be in place in our hearts. And if you're a Christian following after Christ, if, 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 if that's you, these three things are in place in you. He's, he's rotting them in you. He's doing this. He's producing this out from you that you might. This will be a part of your being, just like the, the good Beatitudes. They're, like the Beatitudes aren't just... Uh, different people, like here's a merciful one, here's a one who's after righteous, there's a thirsty one. No, all of those are within, they're what builds each Christian. Everyone who, one, comes. Two, hears my words. Three, does. I will show you what he is like. He is like one who 
a man building a house who dug deep, there's that self-evaluation. Last week we talked about the heart a lot, from the storehouse, the heart, that treasury, the treasury within us, the storehouse that is our heart, that is our identity, the, deep, the deepest of deeps, the heart of hearts, that digging deep, it goes down to the parts of us that we can't even see the bottom of. Like in the deep places, the one who dug deep and did the mining, or bringing the coal out, however you want to say it. Jesus' words penetrates to that place, and he, the place where roots are. So he takes it from the tree and the fruit, and now he takes it into the roots, he takes it below the earth, the things we can't see, to the, to the source. The one who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Let's talk about that for a moment. There's the foundation and the rock. And Jesus is often put forward as the foundation. Uh, but I want to make a distinction here. There's the rock and the foundation. Um, the rock is Jesus. And if you open this text up and do some study, you'll see that uh, throughout the other parts of Scripture that the foundation is the apostolic teaching. So the rock is Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The foundation is everything from Romans to Jude. That's what we build our life from. And I want to make a case for apostolic teaching here. So why is apostolic teaching important? That's the question. Well, and the answer would be because it's by God within a message. God is in his gospel, in his saving. God is in his word doing things. God operates within us from our, the teaching that's exposed to us. So everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the solid rock. Jesus is everything that we need and he teaches us everything that we need. You, skip, you go ahead, you go forward, you see how that takes place in the book of Acts. You see um, in Acts 2.42, which is a, a massive uh, verse for our church, for any church, but um, you'll see what they devoted them to. And the very first thing there is that this primitive church is devoting themselves to the followers of Christ's teaching to the apostolic teaching. They're not just hearing words off the street, and they're not just engaging in the hearsay, they're having the people who directly saw and heard and touched and lived with Jesus. The ones who got from the source now give what they got to those who are wanting a drink that they've been satisfied to. And the very first thing it says in Acts uh, 42 that the early, the primitive church devoted themselves to was the apostolic teaching. Because that teaching isn't just about how we live our lives, and that's part of it, though. It's a massive part of it. It's about why. It's about the who. It's about Jesus. Christianity is not a set of rules. It's a person. Christianity is not just, it's not another religion. Go this way, go that way, and then you'll get to enlightenment. It's the one who came and who is the it's Jesus. 
So there's this message, it's the gospel. And this message is everything that we need. This message is, it's what forms the rock of Christ. And it's the only place that we need to be found standing. So, these apostles. We ask ourselves, why trust in apostolic teaching? Um, why is the Bible legit? How do we know this is a legit book? That's a major question for a lot of people in church and out of church. Um, a lot of a lot of things that happen within our salvation that we don't a lot of sinning a lot of backsliding kind of comes from unresolved questions uh, things like there's a worship leader in Hillsong uh, who he walked away from the faith he walked away from the church and he never and he had all these questions for the church and he, he just started evaluating he was like I don't understand this I don't understand this I don't understand why but like he didn't know the God he was always singing about, which I can relate to, because that's I was on a worship team for two or three years, four years maybe before I met the one I was singing about. Um, and he put his questions forward, and they were pretty basic, easy stuff. But he that doesn't matter because he never had those things answered. Christianity was never what it was taught from this to him. It was like he, he never got his faith from the source. And that's prevalent in the church now. And so there's a sovereign God in all scripture, uh, first, first Timothy, uh, or sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture, Genesis to Revelation, and we explicitly know everything from Genesis to Malachi. Of course, that's the word of God. But how do you know the New Testament is too? Well, that God became a man and gave his word and his spirit to those who would write scripture. 1 John 1 says this, this is one of his direct disciples. There's only eight or nine guys who write the New Testament. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, he was a direct follower. Mark gets his gospel from Peter, direct follower. Luke hangs out with the apostles, goes uh, journeys with them. Uh, direct access to direct access. John, direct access. Peter, uh, first and second, writes those books. Direct access. Jude, James and Jude. Uh, grew up with Jesus, knew him longer than any, than, uh, any of the apostles did. Jesus' brothers, direct access. Uh, Paul, direct access in Acts 9, changes him forever, and then direct access to direct access. He, gets, he hangs out with the apostles for a while. And we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Um, but we can tell that he knew what he was talking about. So, that, this is John 1, verse, uh, just the beginning of the chapter. That which was from the beginning, Jesus, 
I'm in John, not first John. Do I? Oh, okay. All right, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, they heard him, which we have seen with our eyes, they saw him, which we have looked upon and touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it. That we testify, that's what, that's what all the epistles in the New Testament are doing. They're testifying to what they've seen and what they've heard. And we are proclaiming it to you, the eternal life, that's Jesus, which was with the Father, Jesus, and was made manifest to us, Jesus, that which we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you, that which, so that you too may have fellowship with us. This news doesn't just, it's not just news, it gets us fellowship with the church, it gets us fellowship, who has fellowship with God. And indeed, our fellowship, here it is, is with the Father. This is more than just a string of words, a story. The gospel is powerful to save. No other message can do that. No other people had us, were connected to the source like these. And when we read their writings, we then might be connected to the source as well. And Jesus prays that very thing for us. John 17. For all who would believe through their message. We're going to go to John 17 next and we'll see. Now, you know what we want. Uh, Jesus prays for his own disciples. First he prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for everybody who would believe through them. You're in there. In John 17, when Jesus was praying before uh, his betrayal, the last time he's with his disciples as a uh, before he goes to the cross, he prayed for you. Go read John 17 and see what he says. We'll hit it a little bit, but it's a good place to go. So what makes them credible? They saw him, they were eyewitnesses. John writes in John 1, 14 that, uh, that he put on flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory. It's a little easier to believe a story when you have uh, when you're hearing the story from direct witnesses. They saw him. They lived with him. They heard him. They heard the the father's endorsement when we get to the transfiguration. There, Peter, James, and John. And most important, Jesus chose them. You can read about that in John 6, John 15, 16. Jesus commissioned them. There's the Great Commission, John 17, 18, as well. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus, as God, came from God, and now God commissions these go out and God goes with them in the Holy Spirit. It's a, every process of your faith being brought into you from the work, from 2,000 years ago, and that person has been a God-driven vehicle. There's no understanding any of this story apart from God lightning, uh, bringing light to it in your mind. 
Jesus prays for them, and we know that uh, You did not choose, uh, this is John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed, not just chose, but appointed, there's a mission he's gonna put them on, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. That fruit that's abiding is part of it is the New Testament that we can learn from. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Like God, Jesus says elsewhere too, God will, Whatever Jesus asks for from the Father, God gives him. They are in perfect alignment with each other. So when we seek his kingdom first, God's going to be faithful to bless the prayer of Jesus for his people, which he's still answering today. Another thing, Jesus indwells these and us. Mystery of the gospel. Colossians 1, uh, 27, is that he is in his people, in these apostles as they write. These apostles are pens in God's hand to write the things that he brings to life in us through reading them all these centuries later, and it will until he comes back. Another thing, Jesus keeps them. Jesus keeps us. So they're credible because they saw him, they heard him, they lived with him, they touched him. Jesus chose them. Jesus commissioned them. Jesus prayed for them. Jesus indwells them. And Jesus entrusted them with this information, with this gospel. He protects it by his spirit within these people. And that's what makes the foundation of our life on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Everything that these men have to say about Jesus is everything that we need to know about him, and it's all we need to know. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you. And he, tell, he tells them, this is a lot of comfort here about Jesus keeping us. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. We're not working for Jesus' love. We're obeying Jesus and showing that we love him. It's different. Just I, as I have kept you, he's a good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Just as I have kept my father's commands and abide in his love. Um, and Christians are those when this book is open they we are unique people who doesn't scoff at it because this is a very hard book This I would say it's an impossible book um, that tells us the truth about ourselves and after we come to the knowledge of self and we're digging deep, as the text said, I'm not talking about our class. Uh, well, maybe that's what we're doing here. But when we're doing that self-avow from hearing the word, when it's working in our hearts, 
it puts us in a position where after we've been faithful to deal with the things that are within us and build on the rock and the foundation, trusting that rock. Um, we then want to build on it and we build with these things and uh, we build with these things, with this word. Eric Zwingli said this, When a man, through repentance, has come to the knowledge of himself, he finds nothing but despair. Wholly distrusting himself, he is forced to take refuge in the mercy of God. But when he has begun to do that, just and justice makes him afraid. God is just. And that's, that's terrifying for us because when we come to the knowledge of ourselves, we see there's a lot for God to to be just about in our lives. Then, beautiful word, Christ appears, who has satisfied the divine justice for our trespasses. As soon as there is faith in him, then salvation is found. Christ alone is the infallible pledge of God's mercy. That's what your New Testament is about. That's the gospel. That's the rock. He's the rock. And everything that these men have to say about this man, about this rock, is, is what we build our house of. Joe. I, uh, <clears throat> I've been told that if you want to know the gospel, all you got to do is go to the book of Romans. Mm -hmm. The gospel talks about God's sovereignty and the apostles also are doing that in the epistles. But it's amazing, after Acts, Romans kicks in. And I honestly believe that Romans is where there's different doctrines go against or for in the book of Romans. And yeah. you have one side believe one, and another side believe another. I like what you're saying because when I think, if you don't read Romans and take it as, as the word of God, and a lot of people think, well, 66 books, 66 men, there's different opinions, and this and that, or whatever. We gotta believe that Romans follows what God was teaching the apostles. Mm -hmm. But I think what I'm getting at is, if we get off of Romans and don't believe Romans, we might err in thinking, just talk love in Jesus, and you know, and that's I think what's happening is our foundation can be wrong if we're in the wrong, if we're teaching, if we're if we're listening to a message that is kind of off of Romans, and it's all about love and Jesus, and, and I'm a good person. And you've already mentioned that what you said this morning is actually the Book of Romans. And I've been told, what I'm getting at is what I've been told, and it's true. If you want to know the gospel, it's in Romans as well. A great many people who've been and seeking that's what God. what you're saying is very good. And, and but it, isn't it all through the Bible? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. another thing. It is yeah. all through the Bible, it's but it's really it, clear. It, it's all through the Bible, but Romans is, the, is, is Paul's true force on theology, on the gospel. 
that Martin Luther said if some tyrant were to gather up all the Bibles in the world and burn them all, yet a copy of the book of John and Romans survived, Christianity would survive. There's enough from reading Romans to explain the things in one of the, in the Gospels that Christianity would survive. Romans is packed. You can, I, I forget who it was, I think uh, John Piper spent 180 some sermons preaching the book of Romans. There's so much in here. Took two years to do it. John Calvin's, I think it was like close to 500, no, maybe not 500. It was a lot. <laughs> I think it took Calvin hundred and, I forget, just to get through a six chapter book of Ephesians. There's so, there's so much in here. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned Romans. This is John in 1 John 4. Um, Romans is a good book to do this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. There's a lot of rocks. And there's a lot of foundations. But test the spirit to see whether they are from God. There's only one message. There's only one Jesus. There's only one rock. There's only one foundation. There's one source. There's Jesus and everything else. We get lost in the everything else. Many false prophets, it's a massive danger. If you, I think if you took out all the writing about false prophets out of the New Testament, it would probably be, your Bible would be thinner. There's a lot. Because um, we can all have opinions. There's only one truth. And those opinions get opened up and enlarged and we just put them everywhere and then you can't find the truth. Massive danger in the old church still is today. By this you know the Spirit of God. And he tells us here, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the, has come in the flesh that God became a man, and it was Jesus, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. You have the wrong Jesus. If you get Jesus wrong, you have everything wrong. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming now and is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is in his message. He's in the recipients of his message. We have God. We have a, we have an, a security system that tells us whether the things that we're hearing are true or not. That's indwelt. It's God protecting his people from waves of false doctrine, as Paul writes Timothy, the Christian has that within them. It's God playing, it's God being a goalie in his church, smacking things away that shouldn't come. And sometimes some things get in, and he's pointing at it. And when you hear some good preaching, it's God pointing to those things. Because these false prophets that he's talking about, they hate hard preaching. That's a good way to expose wolves. They can't bear it. It goes against, anyway, different day. They, <laughs> they are from the world. They, 
Therefore, they speak the world. They speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. That us there is the these writers of the New Testament. Apostolic truth, apostolic teaching. By this we know the spirit and the spirit of error. So God gives us the ability to have discernment. Yes? How do you spell apostolic? Sorry? How do you spell apostolic? Apostolic, uh, A P O S T O L I C. Apostolic teaching. So that's my case for apostolic teaching. I could probably open it up more. Maybe I opened it up a little more than I needed to. But uh, let's read the rest of this and then we'll, we'll end. So that's the foundation on the rock. Um, if you want to write in your notes, if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 3. Paul talks about what I'm talking about a little bit more. And it's Paul, so it's a lot better than me. Um, According to the grace God gave to me, like a skilled master builder. I just want to say this before, then we'll close pretty quick here. Um, and then we can talk. I'm going to have to go soon. Um, I laid... <coughs> sorry, excuse me. I laid a foundation. Paul the Apostle, he's, they, the Apostles laid a foundation. I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. The foundation, the apostolic teaching, that which is laid is the rock. That which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, Paul confirms this as well. That apostolic teaching is the foundation on the rock that is Christ. And if anyone, then he goes about into a different subject. When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it. Jesus is not being moved by anybody. Can make a whole other sermon on that. And a whole take a lot more time. Because it had been well built. The building materials that we build on Christ with is everything we've been talking about, everything in the rest of the New Testament. But the one who hears and does, so the one who, so, so, what is a Christian like? One who comes, hears, and does. They live like what they believe is actually true. But there's another one, and they still come and hear, but, and does not do them. But the one who hears, it's just hearing alone. We'll talk about this in a week or two when we get to the sower. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, when, not if, immediately, this was quick, nothing there, no fight, 
no, no, uh, it was immediate. Not, there's no reason for it not to be taken away. And the ruin of that house was great. Um, so the house wasn't just, it didn't just fall, it was obliterated. It wasn't just hurt, it was ruined. And it was great. That's, that's what this is saying. Like, the, it, well, yeah, it didn't just receive some water damage. It was washed away. And that's ultimately the warning for anyone whose rock and foundation is anyone else but Jesus. So, everything that you've heard, I wanted to read the end of this. I don't have time. I, I, do, I do have to go. But I wanted to just read this whole sermon that we've spent six, seven weeks opening up with all of that fresh in your head. So maybe that's your action step. Go back to Luke 6, verse 20. Just read to the end of the chapter. We've spent six or seven weeks saying what only took Jesus a few minutes to say and read it with everything that you have in your head now so that as we continue to go through the book of Luke that foundation is built upon and when the flood comes we'll still be here that's the promise of Jesus. Not that you're unshakable, it's that he is. I don't wanna say anything else. <laughs> it's not that you're unshakable, that he is. Um, I do have to go, so. Um, Father, thank you for providing us a foundation to build on the rock of Christ Jesus. Fix him in our hearts, I, I do. I feel like I'm such a distraction to your word when I talk. I pray that you would bless our Bible readings so that so when we go to the source that you would do your master work building because that's what you're doing. The work of God is faith in Christ. And the will of God is our sanctification as you, as you build us. Grant us these, grant us open eyes and understanding as we open our Bibles and understand. And with that understanding, may it be fruit pleasing to you from our hands. And may the message of Christ dwell richly in our hearts, that it might flow from our mouths and cause a very thirsty world, starting in this church, on into Salem, on to wherever else you would take us. May you grant the drink of Christ to everybody who's drunk of Christ. That's for your wonderful